what I want to talk about this evening is uh, the idea of staying the course. And what that means is sticking with practice. And I was in a retreat last week with Bhikkhu Analio, who is a monk, a great scholar, and he's written many, many, many books. Um, and this retreat was on uh, the Anapanasati Sutta, which is a mindfulness of breathing. And it was 11 days, and um, in the, during the course of the retreat, he would do a Q&A every morning. And I don't know what the question was, but he brought up the idea of really the necessity of staying with a particular practice. Not that one practice is necessarily better than another practice, but if you find something that fits and resonates, um, that you really want to commit to it. And I, if you read... Um, the Eightfold Path by Bhikkhu Bodhi, I remember in the preface or in the introduction, he also says something very similar. Because when you do that, you really get a chance to experience the benefits of the teaching, whatever the teaching is. And we have a tendency I, I can't speak about anywhere else, but I know in the United States, we have a tendency to jump around. It's, um, it's uh, might be modern, I don't know, I haven't investigated any of this, but I know that there's this sense of I can take a little bit from, perhaps a little bit from Buddhism, and a little bit from yoga, and a little bit from... Sufi and a little bit from Christianity and a little bit of Wicca and um, throw it all together and create our own spiritual practice. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying what tends to happen is that there's a lot of surface and not a lot of depth. Um, Sometimes people spend years with a particular practice and then move on to a different practice, which is different, but the commitment to be in a particular practice allows you to, as I said, experience the fruits of that practice. If you jump around, uh, have this tendency to bounce, you're not going to go as deep. And I think that's true with everything um, or many things that we do. Would just go bouncing, and especially when something becomes difficult, which happens in spiritual practice. When you are able, I can speak for um, this practice, this insight practice, because that's the one that I've really committed to more than anything else in my entire life. I was raised a Catholic, but it was meaningless to me. It was just, uh, it was just a class I had to go to. It was. The school I attended for 13 years. But other than that, it just never resonated. And so this, this insight practice is really, um, has been transformational. And when you get into any spiritual practice, and I think uh, you see this because there are very writings that are fairly common from different traditions, different religions, 
that there comes a point where the rubber meets the road, where you have to get serious and there's this invitation to look um, at what you're doing, how you're leading your life, and uh, move in a direction that is supportive and healthy and away from those habits that are unhealthy. That's what my experience has been in this Vipassana practice, this insight early Buddhism is kind of where I landed. Um, and not saying that uh, it's not okay to recognize other, other um, experiences. Like I, um, as I said, I'm really, uh, love these practices, the, the, the Pali Canon and the, the Satipatthana Sutta was a retreat I did with uh, Bhikkhu Nalio in April, which is 11 days, just this one sutta, this one type of, of meditation practice, and then we'll do another one in April, and that next April of Brahma Viharas, the heart practices, but it's really taking a deep dive and letting the teachings um, uh, penetrate. That doesn't, that, um, doesn't preclude my interest in some other of the Buddha, later Buddhist teachings, like the idea of uh, the Bodhisattva, which is a later teaching, which is the person who foregoes their own uh, enlightenment until all beings are enlightened. And so that's this, this uh, ideal of, of practicing for the benefit of all beings. So I don't do a formal bodhisattva practice, but I think that's a beautiful sentiment. And there's another teaching that is also much later, um, talking about store, store of stores, store of consciousness. I think Thich Nhat Hanh talks about it, and I talk about it a lot. The seeds of consciousness, where these conditioned experiences we have, these experiences we have in our in our lives, condition us, and we keep those. Um, those, he talks about them as seeds. So those seeds are planted, and then when conditions are right, they blossom and bloom. That's not an early Buddhist teaching, but I find it's a, it's a helpful way to um, make sense of my experience, make sense of these memories of traumatic experiences or painful memories, make sense of how they arise and how to work with them and saying, oh, there are these seeds and now the conditions are ripe, so they blossom. Because we can't help the things we feel. We've had experiences in our lives, things have been planted in our minds, we've heard things, we've been told things, we've internalized things, and when something happens, some situation we're in, uh, somebody says something, um, and, and we receive it, it's like a triggering experience, or we can't help the emotion that arises. And so to recognize that that's some deep, deep conditioning. So this idea of the store consciousness or seeds of consciousness is skillful means. Skillful means is a way to utilize um, uh, your experience to see clearly, to begin to have some uh, uh, insight into what what's going on in your life. So we, I don't um, practice that particular branch of Buddhism, but I really um, honor the teaching. I think it's really wise, and, and as I said, it's skillful means. and has helped me also very, very, very much. And so there's things like that that are available. I, um, I took a couple of classes earlier this year um, that were 
a broad survey of Buddhism, not from a practitioner standpoint, but from more of a, a humanities or history of religion standpoint. So it really took a deep dive into the different um, discourses, the different teachings, and a lot, of, and looked at all the different um, lineages and sects of Buddhism, and, and it would be impossible to practice all of them at the same time, your head would explode if you're familiar at all. I mean, Tibetan Buddhism, there's a lot of imagery, a lot of visualization, a lot of memorization. And um, it's, it works for a lot of people. It's not, it's not something that works for me. It's, it doesn't have an interest for me. And then Zen and, and this. And so to really recognize that there are differences and we have to... Um, uh, it's not that I'm bad, that's bad, I'm good, this is good, that's bad. It's not judging in that realm because they're all moving in a direction to end suffering and um, move towards liberation um, for the benefit of all, living, creating a world that doesn't cause harm. I think that's really important and really wise and really skillful, but we, it's, it's not wise to dabble. There, there's a, you know... Um, Kuan Yin is, is, a, is a deity that's a later idea. Um, and she's the embodiment of compassion. She's, she hears the cries of the world and is ready to jump up and help whenever. And there's a posture that she sits in, a, an image that she's this posture of royal ease where she's just sitting there so comfortable with her elbow on her knee and she just looks like she's got her shit together. And the first time I saw that, I went, <gasps> I want that. So I just keep that image in my mind, but it's not necessarily a deep practice around it. So um, that, if this is all, all I'm saying, is, this is all to say that find a practice, whatever it is that works, and make a commitment to stick with that. Um, I see it having been a teacher for low these, I don't know, 10, 12 years, <laughs> it's been a minute. Um, I've seen it again and again and again. People come into the practice and as soon as it becomes a little challenging, it's like, I'm gonna go over there. And they stay with that practice until it becomes a little bit of challenging and then they go over there. And it's a form of spiritual bypass. It's a, it's a collection of knowledge, it's a collection of techniques, of practices but it's not actually utilizing them to any extent that can have a meaningful impact. Um, it really needs a willingness to um, stay with the subtleties because this, the depth of our suffering, the depth of our conditioning is quite subtle. It's really subtle. And sometimes you feel like if you've been doing this for a while, you're like, this again? But it's not again. It's different. It might be the same tendencies but you're you're moving into much more subtle 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 layers um so uh, not to be a, a a spiritual dilettante and i um i was looking at something today talking about how this takes a long time we in this culture in the west um at least in the united states we want instantaneous everything. I mean, now Amazon's going to deliver within two hours. I mean, that's the latest thing they're talking about. Um, as I saw, I think it was a comedian or somebody saying, they're going to actually start reading your mind and deliver it before you even know you want it, which is kind of what advertising is actually all about. But um, 
So um, they were talking about how it takes a long time, and there's a there's a, a time uh, measurement in Buddhism um, called kalpas and mahakalpa, and kalpa is the time it takes for a bird um, who's flying over a mountain peak with like a, a piece of material, a, let's say a scarf in its mouth, and it brushes the top of the peak and the, every hundred years. And the time it takes for that bird to wear down that peak, that's a kalpa. And then maha means a lot of those. And so they say, that's like they're just saying, you know, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute. Um, I don't know if anybody has ever been able to measure a kalpa, because I don't know, birds don't live that long, so that ain't going to happen. But it's just, it's, it's, it's going to take a while. So to have patience. And that's what the, the beauty of these teachings is, that the Buddha offers all these qualities that help us. Like I said, patience is is so important. Um, wisdom, the qualities that need to be developed, and just what came to my mind just now is the paramis, which are these ten qualities: um, wisdom, generosity, um, uh, effort, determination, the willingness to to do this again and again and again, the willingness to sit the willingness to keep bringing our minds back to the present. That is a challenge. Because I know folks want to sit on the meditation cushion and just bliss out. And there are some practices that you can do that where it just kind of shuts down the mind so none of these distractions get in. But my experience is that when the mind is then back in the world, those distractions keep showing up. And so I want to know... How do I move through the world not being knocked over by those distractions, able to hold them, able to work with them, not reacting but responding, responding wisely? So these teachings, the deeper you get into them, the more support they give you to go even deeper into them, the more invitation to uh, develop qualities, the more invitation to see what's getting in the way of you staying. What's getting in the way of you wanting to be with the d discomfort? So there, there's that. I always like to look at what's getting in the way. What's, um, what's, uh, what causes you to say, this is nonsense, I'm going over there. So the invitation is to reflect on this for yourselves. It's like, okay, am I a bouncer? Not the person who works at the door of a nightclub, but I am. Am I somebody who bounces from one thing to another? Am I a dilettante, um, or am I willing to stay? And and I heard uh, teachers um, years ago saying, make a, make a six month, twelve month commitment. You know, I I've heard people say, well, I'm going to do this practice, then I'm going to do that practice, and it's like, make a commitment to yourself. Six months to a year to give yourself the opportunity to really take a deeper dive. And you all have been doing this for a minute. So, um, you know, maybe even check it out and say, I, um, yeah, I, this has been working. This has not been working. Maybe there's a different flavor that would be more beneficial to me. I know a lot of folks who were um, 
studied Zen and then moved to Vipassana. If you know, if you know Stephen Batchelor, he's a, also uh, he's a writer. He's written many, many, many really good books. He started out as a Tibetan practitioner, and I think he was he was I don't know if he was a Lama or what he was, and then he moved into Zen and he went to Korea and when it was, a, was in a um, a Zen monastery in Korea, and then he moved into Vipassana, to insight. But he he bec- he was a deep deep practitioner in each of these. He spent years in each of them, not just bouncing bouncing bouncing. So it's not saying you can't move, but really give yourself a chance. So that's what was on my mind. So it's just this invitation. Maybe at the beginning of the year. Or now, why wait till December thirty first? Make a commitment to stick with the practice. If if it's uh, if you're so inclined to reflect on what maybe gets in your way, if it does get in your way, of going deeper, what stories you tell yourself, what's your button to um, uh, that it invites you to jump to say, nope, this is a little too challenging. I'm going to go over there because I think enlightenment is faster over there. Because um, there are people who will offer you seven steps to enlightenment. Three months, it's yours. So um, I, if it sounds too good to be true, I'm sure it is. So, um, so spend some time reflecting on yourself, for yourself. It's not that you're a bad person or a good person if you do one or the other. It's just a tendency that we have to pull away from the discomfort and push to the for the comfort. So those are just some of my thoughts on this. I'm happy to have any conversation or questions or clarifications around any of this. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.